Hi, everybody. Welcome to another MedTeach on the Go podcast. I am Dr. Jen Middleton, the Director of Faculty Development here at Ohio Health in Columbus, Ohio. I'm also a family physician educator with the Riverside Methodist Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program here at Ohio Health. Today's MedTeach on the go uh, webinar session and the topic for today's podcast is on promoting an active learning environment. As always, you can find the full webinar and get CME credit for free at medteachonthego.com. That's medteachonthego.com. So let's talk quickly about the highlights from today's webinar. So we kicked off the webinar by talking about some of the challenges of getting audiences to participate, whether it is in the live classroom setting or as we have become so accustomed to over the last couple of years, doing it virtually and really emphasized the importance that as the teacher, you have to take the primary responsibility to build a presentation structure and climate that is conducive to active learning. And we do that in a few ways. We make sure that the content we are presenting is appropriate to the level of our learners and is not too overloaded. The number one mistake I have seen presenters make over the years is they try to cram too much content into their session. So really, really focus. What are those three or four most important things about your topic you want your audience to walk away with? Because most humans, unless they have an eidetic or photographic memory, can only store three to four things in their short-term memory at a time. And if they don't get stored in short-term memory, they don't have a chance of getting into long-term memory. So focus, 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 and identify those three to four main points at the beginning of your presentation with strong objectives. As always, I recommend with active verbs using Bloom's taxonomy. The other key component of your structure is you must build in frequent interaction opportunities. And I'll give you a couple of examples of how to do that in a minute. The other half of what we talked about today on the webinar was the importance of creating a psychologically safe learning environment and by demonstrating your approachability as the facilitator teacher. But let's talk a little bit first about how you build in those interaction opportunities into your content. So I am a big fan of using your objectives to create little mini didactic slash activity dyads in your presentation. And if you view the webinar, you'll see an example um, of this in visual format. Ideally, you are not ever going to talk at your audience for more than 10 minutes without finding a way to actively and meaningfully engage them. Most humans can't pay attention for more than 10 minutes. And we all know this because we've been there. Once you check out, you're not coming back. So don't keep going on and on about your topic. You will lose your audience. These are adult learners. They need to have the chance to practice and use new skills right away. 
So provide your instruction or didactic for no more than 10 minutes, and then provide your learners with a meaningful activity to reinforce what you just taught them. And if you repeat that didactic activity for each objective, objective one, a little bit of instruction, here's an activity. Objective two, a little bit of instruction, here's an activity. Objective three, a little bit of instruction, here's an activity. Okay, you've already built in a lot more opportunity for your audience to get actively involved than a lot of medical teachers do. And then even more critical nowadays with so much video instruction is finding little mini opportunities for your audience to connect with you um, even during that little instruction didactic portion that again, no more than 10 minutes. So if you're on a video platform, can you ask a quick chat question? Can you give them a multiple choice to answer? Can you ask them to give you a visual thumbs up or thumbs down? Can you have a learner present a case? You know, or can you ask your learners to look something up quickly and then put what they found in the chat box? So get creative, but find ways because even 10 minutes on video is really hard to stay connected with, especially for longer presentations. So if every two to three minutes you can do some little hook to keep your audience engaged with you, you have a much better chance of keeping them with you for the whole time. And then of course, after that no more than 10 minutes of instruction or didactic, you follow that up with an activity that's going to reinforce what you just taught them. So it's really important, the other thing to think about in terms of structure is to set your learner expectations in advance. So on today's webinar, we had a slide at the beginning that laid out what the expectations were, that we want our participants to turn their video on, that helps learners be a lot more engaged, have a pen and paper handy so that they could participate in some of the exercises that we did, use the chat bar for comments. And then we also talked in the webinar today about the importance of demonstrating with your nonverbal communication your engagement with your audience. So doing things to make it easier for them to stay connected with you, such as dressing thoughtfully. You don't need a three-piece suit necessarily, but make sure you don't have distracting patterns on. If you're on video, solid muted colors really are your best bet. You know, remembering to smile, to promote open body language by keeping your arms uncrossed and sitting or standing up straight. By not letting your vocal pitch get too high because that's harder to listen to for longer periods of time. And doing the best you can to maintain eye contact. And if you are presenting from a laptop video camera, raise your laptop up by 10 to 12 inches so that you are able to make eye contact directly with the camera. And if you check out today's webinar, you'll see lots of examples that I totally borrowed from Room Raider. Highly recommend Room Raider on Twitter um, if you are into that kind of nerdy thing. And that kind of shows examples of kind of suboptimal and more optimal um, video layouts that help your audience stay connected with you. So your lighting, your camera position, what's going on in the background all affect how easy or hard it is for your learner to pay attention to you. And then we spent some time thinking about why don't learners participate when we want them to? 
And a lot of it does revolve around psychological safety. They don't want to be wrong. They don't want to look stupid. They don't think their contribution is worth sharing, especially with our Generation Z learners who are coming into residency right now. And there's a MedTeach on the go session from last year on Generation Z if you'd like to learn more about them that you can find on our website. But Generation Z is kind of obsessed with image in a lot of ways and making sure that they're not doing anything to hurt their professional image. So they worry a lot about not looking stupid. There are some folks who just need a little bit more time to process, um, to reflect, who might be a little more introverted um, and aren't gonna be as comfortable jumping in right away. Your physical and virtual layout may be making it tricky for your learners to engage, and it's medicine. They might just be tired or distracted. So remembering that brains that are in flight, fight, or freeze, brains that are flooded with cortisol, do not learn complex tasks. That's because when we're in survival mode, our limbic system and our brainstem take over. And the frontal lobe, our prefrontal cortex, where we actually process complex learning goes offline. So yes, you can get pimped to death and remember to recite the blood supply of this organ or whatever, whatever, um, because the limbic system is really good at rote tasks. But if you want your learners to do complex diagnostic reasoning and think through so many of the complexities in modern medicine, you've gotta create a psychologically safe learning environment so that their prefrontal cortex can come online. So the way that you do that is by creating activities. So now we're going back to those little dyads and thinking about those more in-depth activities that accompany each objective's instruction that create a little bit of space so that learners' options are more than just raise my hand and answer in front of a whole group. So you can do things like a think-pair-share where you ask a question, everybody jots down a quick answer, pair, they turn to the person next to them and talk about what they wrote down, and then the pair shares their ideas. So you can already see how that might be a little bit less threatening for folks who might feel a little socially anxious. And it gives folks who are more introverted or reflective a little more breathing space to think about how they want to respond to the question. You can provide talking chips to in-person presentations. Everybody gets three chips, like a poker chip, at the beginning of the hour. And by the end of the hour, I want everybody to have spent their chips. So how do you spend a chip? You answer a question. You can do a walking survey. These are super fun. I learned this from my faculty in Pittsburgh years ago, where you ask a question and, hey, everybody who feels this way, go to this wall. Everybody who feels this way, go to another wall. Um, in the virtual format, you can do that by having people do thumbs up, thumbs down. You can do affinity mapping, which is a really fun exercise with post-it notes that we review in the webinar. The TLDR version is that folks write their thoughts down on a post-it note and then they stick them up on a wall and then they look for commonalities and map them together. So in terms of physical and environmental layout, you know, be mindful about how you are arranging the physical room if you're teaching in person. Unless the furniture is bolted to the floor, move it around if you need to. 
Do you want your learners facing each other? Do you all want them facing you? Do you want them clustered in groups? Think about what layout makes the most sense for what it is you are teaching. Um, along the same lines, if you're using WebEx or Zoom or Teams, what view do you want your learners to use? Do you want them to have the view where the speaker is big or where all the folks who are logged in have a square that's the same size? Look for opportunities to minimize distractors. You know, don't forget about the faculty development classic structured handout that has blank spaces for learners to fill in. Most humans can't resist filling in a blank space. So take advantage of that. And you'll find pictures and examples of those physical and virtual layouts on the webinar from today. So to wrap up, focused content is essential. If you try to teach too much stuff, it doesn't matter if you use all these other strategies. Your learners are gonna have a hard time staying connected. They're gonna get overwhelmed. So keep your content focused, okay? Be thoughtful about deliberately building into your presentation structure opportunities for your learners to interact with you, whether it's with those more in-depth activities we just talked about or those super quick little engagements that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. If you want your learners to engage in active discussion-based learning, you must create the structure for it. And of course, for more, check out medteachonthego.com. I'm Dr. Jen Middleton, the Director of Faculty Development here at Ohio Health in Columbus, Ohio, for our January 12th, 2022 podcast. Take care, be well, and we'll look forward to connecting with you soon.